The LA Clippers suffer an embarrassing loss in game two to the Dallas Mavericks. What does that mean for the Oklahoma City Thunder? And also, we're going to dive into my NBA big board for the 2021 NBA Draft 1.0. Who is shockingly high? Who is devastatingly low? Let's have opinions. Let's have takes. Let's have some fun on Locked on Thunder. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, brought to you by Locker Room, changing the way that we talk about sports. We're going to dive into the NBA draft with our first Big board of the year. We're also going to talk about the Clippers losing to the Mavericks in game two. Before the postseason began, I told you there's a few storylines that can really impact the Thunder. And the biggest one was the Clippers. And the Clippers losing to Dallas in game two, going down that series 2-0, is huge. It's monumental. The Thunder own the future of the Los Angeles Clippers. And they owe all of that to Kawhi Leonard, who has been incredible this postseason. But because he demanded a running mate in Paul George, who will never and has never particularly shown up in the postseason, he mortgaged the future of that franchise, which now resides in Oklahoma City, and he gave away a better supporting cast in the form of SGA, in the form of Gallinari, in the form of... 50 million first-round picks. He gave all that away for Paul George. A man who was embarrassed by Joe Ingles. A man who was embarrassed by Damian Lillard. A man who was embarrassed by Luka Doncic. A man who was embarrassed by every opponent he's faced in the postseason. Kawhi gave it all away for Paul George. This Clippers team is a much better ball club if they have Gallinari, if they have SGA. Something has to change with this Clippers team going down 0-2 in this series. While the series is not over, there's about a 96% chance Dallas wins this series and the Clippers are bouncing the first round after tanking their way to get on the opposite side of the bracket as the Lakers to try to avoid them into the Western Conference Finals. Well, guess what? They're not even going to reach the second round. And I predicted it in seven before the playoffs started. And I feel very good about that. But something has to change for the LA Clippers. And I'm not so sure that it is Kawhi leaving. Kawhi is comfortable, playing well, likes being in L.A. He's not going to join the Lakers. His options are really New York, Miami, or staying in his preferred destination, a destination that he chose to go to while giving up a championship formula left behind in Toronto. So I'm not so sure that Kawhi will leave L.A. But something has to change, and the only thing left is trading away Paul George. But who wants Paul George? Who will pay a premium, the way the Clippers did, to get Paul George in this economy? 
I don't think anyone will. And for Paul George to sit up there after being nothing but an embarrassment for half a decade in the postseason and say there's no level of concern after going down 0-2 on your home floor against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic, it's embarrassing. What has Paul George ever done? If you're a Clippers fan right now, the, the five of tens of you that are out there, and you hear Paul George say that, this now ranks above calling Damian Lillard's shot a bad shot. No concern level when your back's against the wall with a team that particularly has not played well with their back against the wall, I might add, has been actually pretty porous at every turn with their back against the wall. For a team like that, as mentally weak as it seems like the Clippers are, to have no concern level when facing a scenario that puts you about 96% failure rate in this series if they're going down 0-2, before you even step foot, by the way, in the American Airlines Center and get to face a almost full capacity crowd in Dallas, Texas, and face Mavs fans who are one of the best fan bases in all of basketball, getting to see their golden boy, Luka Doncic, in the playoffs for the first time because his first playoff appearance was in the bubble. So for the first time ever, they're going to get to cheer on Luka in the playoffs. That's going to be a raucous environment as they're up as they're up 2-0. If there's no concern level now, when are you going to be concerned, Paul George? At what? When did Paul George get to become Joe Cool? Was it whenever Joe Ingles crossed him up and embarrassed him? Was it whenever he couldn't show up against Portland? Was it whenever he got embarrassed last year in a bubble when all he had to do was play basketball? Was it the 5,000 injuries he makes up after he gets embarrassed? When did all of a sudden Paul George become as cool as a cucumber as though he's Larry from VeggieTales? As you're watching Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. waltz into your building and thoroughly beat the Clippers, these weren't one possession games, I might add. Now you're not concerned? Then at what point are you concerned? And Ty Lue, by the way, has not won, small sample size, a playoff game without LeBron James. I've heard all the last couple of seasons that you should just hand Kawhi and Paul George a trophy when Paul George has done nothing outside of make excuses and incredibly embarrassing bold proclamations. The Thunder owe a big thank you to Damian Lillard, to Kawhi Leonard, and to Paul George. It's threat level midnight in L.A. right now, unless you ask Paul George, who is not concerned at all. Now, this series is not over. In fact, if any team knows about blowing a 2-0 lead, it's the Dallas Mavericks. Granted, the Miami Heat had the refs on their side, which you would imagine a market like L.A. will have as well. But Paul George is not the player I want telling me that there's no concern level. If LeBron told me down 0-2 against Phoenix, if he was going to go down 0-2, of course, he was able to even up the series. Nonetheless, if LeBron went down 0-2 and told me no concern, I'd believe him. I don't believe Paul George. The track record's not there for Paul George because as the games get bigger, as the games get brighter, Paul George shrinks. Paul George tapes his shoulders. Paul George dubs himself playoff P and then proceeds to get absolutely dismantled by Joe Ingles. I'm sick of Paul George. At some point, Paul George has to have a fire about him. It can't be Joe Cool all the time. If down 0-2 
does not spark that fire, I'm not sure what will. And you can't win a championship that way. You cannot win a championship that way. This offseason will be very fun. It'll be very fun to sit back and watch the Clippers self-destruct and watch the Thunder future get brighter and brighter and brighter until it eventually flies like a phoenix into the sun. You thought Steve Ballmer was mad last year. Wait till you do it again this year and lose in the first round. And as I said before, that Dallas fan base, that Dallas crowd, it'll be raucous. Are we sure that the Clippers will not be swept? Friday's a big day. It's a big, big day. What's even bigger, though, is today. Because today, we're unleashing the NBA Draft Board 1.0, my big board, ranking the top 30 players in this draft. The number one player, pretty boring, pretty easy. It's Cade Cunningham. The 19-year-old from Oklahoma State is incredible. He's an even bigger SGA that might have an even higher ceiling than SGA. He can even play small ball five at times in certain matchups. His only knock is his turnovers. And I don't really care for anyone, much less a player of the caliber of Cade Cunningham, about turnovers in college. The spacing is terrible at every rank in college. At every school, there's no spacing. The teammates are not on par with a guy like Cade Cunningham. So the defenses are going to focus on Cade Cunningham and be able to try to shut him down him the best that he can. And to me, Cade Cunningham is a franchise changer. He is a franchise maker. Now, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, they all could be that. To me, Cade Cunningham is that. There's a difference there. I think that there's, without question, Cade Cunningham, if he stays healthy, will be a franchise-changing player that allows you to take a next step. It allows you to be in that playoff and that championship conversation for years to come. He's that type of player. We'll have number two through 30 all coming up on the Locked on Thunder podcast. But first, I'm going to say right now, my good friends over at Locker Room. Locker Room is truly changing the way we talk about sports. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. I'll be hosting a room on Locker Room once a week so you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to every single day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reactions to the biggest news and rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and might even be featured on this very show, Locked on Thunder, throughout our Locker Room conversations. Be sure to join me this week on Locker Room. Go to Locker Room on the App Store, download it. Whenever you do, sign up for free. It's available on all iOS devices and right now has an Android beta program as well. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter account, and join the conversation in the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me on Locker Room at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S to be notified every single time I go live. So check it out. I know you will not want to miss it. Check us out on Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. We are back on Locked on Thunder. I'm Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. At number two on the big board, I have Jalen Green. 
If you listen to the show before, you know that Jalen Green's one of my favorite prospects in this draft. My second favorite, as you can see, I think he's a really good shooter. I think he's a great athlete. One of the best, if not the best athlete in this entire class. I think he has one of the best mental makeups of the class as well. He has that drive intensity. He has that it factor that you cannot really measure when it comes to being a great player. He plays extremely fast, which can really kind of counterbalance SGA's slow-paced nature. At times, it looks like SGA is playing in slow motion. I wonder how that would look paired together. He has to improve his defense, but I think his defensive tools are there. I think he has that ability, that, that upside defensively. He just has to do it. And I think they can get more consistent with his shot. His shot form is there. And then the biggest factor is he can play off ball extremely well. I love Jalen Green as a cutter in this draft. I think he's a high upside explosive play machine that has the best chance of being that number two option, borderline number one option on a championship level team outside of Cade Cunningham. Jalen Green is special. I'm not sure the holdup for most on Jalen Green. I don't see very many flaws in his game. I think that his true numbers, if you're doing box score scouting, I could see some flaws, but the numbers are very different comparatively to college. He's playing against grown men. He's playing in the G League. Held half the Thunder roster last year after the All-Star break was a G League roster. He's playing NBA caliber players, or at least borderline NBA caliber players. He's not playing East-West Tech, Tennessee State. And even high-level programs only have one to two borderline NBA guys. So he's getting such great experience, such great coaching, and coaching on and off the floor, by the way, to be ready to hit the ground running at the NBA level. I am all in on Jalen Green. At three, I have Evan Mobley. At 19 years old, he's a really good interior scorer, great defender. Him and SGA can be elite in the pick-and-roll game. I have my hesitations about drafting a big man this high, but the upside for him is incredible. He's not going to be a great shooter right out of the gate. He has some potential to get there eventually, but I wouldn't count on it. I'm worried about that fact. I'm not worried so much about the turnovers. I do not think that the turnovers really matter in college as we talked about before, but specifically for a big man like Evan Mobley, who will not be put in that spot very often of having the defense totally collapse in on him while he's trying to make a play. He'll be set up in that position. He can facilitate an offense. We won't be asked to kind of have the offense run through him, at least in a system like Oklahoma City. He's number three because of the upside, because he possibly could be a unicorn Kevin Durant type player shut up match draft. But I don't particularly think that that's realistic to put that onto him from what I've seen kind of shies away a bit in certain situations. I just think that the safer bet would be Jalen Green. That's why Jalen Green's two, Mobley is three. Jalen Suggs is number four for me. He's a great playmaker, an amazing athlete, great mentally, really good defender. I worry about his ability to play off ball next to Shea. I think that his creation and his playmaking is his best trait. I think that his scoring is exponentially better whenever he's the guy, Suggs, with the ball in his hands. And if you want to keep SGA as that point guard, if SGA wants to stay as that point guard, and you're factoring in the future and what would make SGA happy, I'm not sure if Suggs is the pick here because of that fact. Now, granted, SGA's skill set, as we've said since last May, is very adaptable. SGA can play with anybody that picks up a basketball. He can play with anybody, including Jalen Suggs. And that would be a great pairing. But you have to have the communication with SGA about what the future looks like if you do draft Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs is a great player. Any team would be likely to have Jalen Suggs 
there's just higher priorities for me for this Thunder team than Suggs. And I forgot to give this, this prefix at the start of this, but this is the rare draft class where two through five can really be in any order and that you're really splitting hairs and trying to find what you value most. Some people do not have, for example, the hesitation about big men that I have. Some people are gung-ho and, and they can view that in a vacuum. One of my biggest flaws in the process is I don't value big men at all. So that knocks down Mobley for me. And that's not crazy. If you have Mobley 2, that's not crazy. If you have Suggs 5, I can see how you got there even though he's my number 2. All of these players are so talented that you're truly cutting the atom here when trying to decide where you're going to rank each player. But my 1, 2, 3 is Cade, Green, Mobley, and then Suggs at 4. Number 5, I have the traditional 5 and Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga is a great athlete. One of the very best in the class, much like his teammate, Jalen Green. He's a really good ball handler for his position. He can make some plays with the ball in his hands, although I would not ask him to make two to three reads in a play, which luckily he will not be put in that position at the NBA level. He's a great rebounder, great finisher, can finish at both sides as well, which is huge for his ability to score because he does not have a jump shot right now in terms of having that shot fall. The form itself is not terrible, and it leads you to think he has some upsides to score from beyond the arc. But he's also a really good scorer and impactful scorer off the ball as a cutter and using his size and ability, and he can get to the rim with the ball in his hands or with the ball out of his hands. But the rebounding and the defense is so great that it makes him a formative NBA player right away. I feel like Kaminga is the prime candidate to be the overthink guy where we have so much time on our hands. We're waiting for the draft and you start to overthink it. You start to try to get cute. You start to try to bring up Scotty Barnes or some other player to five when we should just stick with what we know. And we know that Jonathan Kaminga without question for me is going to be a starting caliber player in the NBA as a floor, as a ceiling. He can be a highly impactful all-star caliber player. And somewhere in between that is well worth the value of pick five. The big argument I'm seeing is about a shot. Look, Scotty Barnes can't shoot either, right? Keon Johnson, as much as I love the guy, struggles shooting the basketball as well. If everyone has the same deficiency, and yet the strengths for Kaminga are higher and more tangible and at a different level than the strengths of Keon Johnson and Scotty Barnes, you draft Kaminga especially whenever his shot is not broken, his shot is not so deformed, they have to overhaul it in one summer. It just needs some minor tweaks here and there, and an offseason with a great shooting coach could really do wonders for him. All hope is not lost that he can be an eventual good shooter. You know who is not a good shooter out of the draft? Lou Dort. These things take time. With time, I think Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a great NBA player because he impacts the game in so many other factors. While Keon Johnson and Scotty Barnes and James Knight and Moses Moody, they'll be good NBA players, but there's a vast difference in good and great, and Kaminga has great potential while the others have good. The top five is pretty standard in terms of names. The placement is a bit out there from most people, but now the fun begins at six through 10, and we'll continue to do the rest throughout the rest of this week. We'll have number six coming up on the Locked On Thunder podcast, but right now, I want to see right now about good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, 
Use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order. They have nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor right now is the peanut butter brownie. Try them out today by going to BuiltBar.com. If you have not tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, which gives you two of each flavors, and you'll be able to see which ones you love and then reorder the ones you love. Most flavors come with 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. They're incredible, and they're great for the keto diet. Try them out today at BuiltBar.com. When you do, use promo code LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Let's hear right now about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, baseball, NHL, UFC, MMA are all in full swing. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the grading sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sell the silence anymore. Get in on the action and get in as teams begin their playoff runs right now by heading over to the website or on your mobile device to betonline.ag and using our promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. When this podcast is over, check out Locked On Today. Host Pete Bukowski takes you all around the sporting world for all the biggest stories of every single sport on the Locked On Today podcast, a daily podcast breaking it all down for you in under 20 minutes. We'll dive back in right now to our NBA big board. We will have our top 10 today and then continue the rest tomorrow because we went a little bit long on the Paul George rant to start the show. Number six, I have Keon Johnson. Another non-surprise pick here. If you've listened to the show before, you know I love Keon Johnson. Highest upside to me of the remaining players. He has the chance to be a franchise changer in terms of the rest of the pack, right? I wouldn't predict it, but I think that he's really the only player of the rest of the pack that can change your future. The rest of them can be good players, can be very good complimentary players, can even be some starting level players, but they cannot be franchise changers on paper right now. I think Keon Johnson could do that. Really good athlete, great defender, does all the dirty work, another bad shooter, but he's really good off-ball offensively. He made some really bad decisions in college. I'm not sure what you can make of that, considering the spacing in college, considering the fact that him and Jaden Springer were kind of alone at Tennessee in that Rick Barnes system. He would not be asked to have the ball in his hands as much as he was at Tennessee at the NBA level. I love Keon Johnson and the way that he can have his handprints all over a basketball game at the next level. Number seven, I have Scotty Barnes. Good defender, good playmaker, good rebounder. Nothing great to me, but a lot of things very good. Scoring upside is there, but it's smaller than Keon Johnson's upside, right? If I had to pick who has the highest offensive upside, I'd go Keon Johnson. That's why, that's where the difference gets made there. Because I think that Keon Johnson can, number one, be a great defender, and Scotty Barnes can be a very good defender. And number two, I think that Keon Johnson can be a very much better offensive player than Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, though, 
is a good pick. Again, these are good players, but they're not the, oh my gosh, franchise changers. They're just good players. They're talented players that are a step below that elite tier that we talked about in the top five. Number eight, James McKnight. Love this guy as a bucket getter. To me, he has the highest floor in the draft, which is not necessarily what the Thunder are going to look for. But if I tell you at pick eight, meaning you also get pick five, remember, because if you fall to eight, then that Houston pick must fall to five. If you get pick five and get one of those franchise guys that you hope for on paper, why not get the highest floor guy in James Boog Knight who can be an elite scorer? Now, he might not be a great defender, but he has tools defensively. He reminds me of Tail Maldon in that way. They both have tools defensively. Neither one of them will be confused with a great defender, but also neither one of them will be played off the floor, in my opinion, at the NBA level. James Knight can be a microwave scorer, a bucket getter. He can score at all three levels with the ball in his hands or playing off ball offensively. And if you walk out of this draft class with my five and eighth best player on the board and you get Kaminga and you get Knight. It's a hell of a day. I mean, that's a hell of a day for the Thunder. At number nine, I have Moses Moody. I think he's going to be very solid, but he's really only that. He's a solid three-level scorer with a great three-point potential. He's a solid defender. He's a solid playmaker. He can be a solid 3 and D player, but it doesn't really swing your franchise either way. I know there's a ton of Moses Moody stands in the Thunder fan base, but... It, it doesn't really move the needle as much as fans might think it will. Just a solid player. And look, at pick nine, at prospect number nine, if you get a solid player, that's awesome. That's awesome if I can guarantee that solid player with still the potential to be more than that. Number 10, and the final player of this big board, is Josh Giddy. Huge size, great playmaker, but cannot really play well off-ball offensively, cannot shoot that well, cannot defend whatsoever. Good finisher, and his playmaking allows him to get to the rim. So good finisher, good rebounder, but a great playmaker, and the playmaking is what will really get him drafted. I like Josh Giddy. He's a top-10 guy for me. There's just a wide gap between where Keon Johnson is and where even Josh Giddy is, much less where the top five guys are in Josh Giddy. Although he's another player that has a ton of fans in the Thunder fan base. So it'll be interesting to see what you guys think of the top 10. We'll have the rest of my big board 1.0 on tomorrow's show. Where was I right? Where was I wrong on my big board? Who do you agree with, disagree with on my rankings? And I cannot wait to unleash the rest of the 20 players remaining on my big board. A few surprises, a few upsets, including one name I've not really seen on anyone's top 30 that I cannot wait to unveil on tomorrow's show. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked On Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic.